Hello and welcome to the Filmmaking Stuff Podcast, where you'll get insider tactics on how to make, market, and sell your movie without the middleman. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host, LA-based motion picture executive, Jason Brubaker. Hey filmmakers, Jason Brubaker talking to you from sunny Southern California. Welcome to today's show. Uh, Today I'm actually chatting with our very own Tom Malloy, and this is important because it's a new year. It's the year 2022, and we're halfway through the month already. And uh, how's the New Year's resolutions going? Um, But more importantly, (laughs) um, how are the life resolutions going? And and that's what, you know, prompted me to have this conversation with Tom. We're actually, uh, Tom, if I I heard you right, we're coming up on your 20-year anniversary from the time that you quit your... uh, your job that you were no longer passionate about to pursue a career in motion pictures. Yes, that is true. Uh, This Thursday, January 20th. But uh, let me give a backstory before that is that I had done some film stuff before that. I had starred in in the movie Gravesend and back in 1998. And I had been, after that movie kind of came out, I think it actually even shot in 96 and it didn't come out till 98. I was still in college right outside New York City. So I was going and auditioning all the time. And then when Gravesend came out, I had some really good auditions. But it had really stalled at that point. And I remember the agent that I had at the time said that he didn't need, you know, that uh, he's kind of focusing on other clients and he kind of let me go. Oh, man. So, yeah. But it and just so you know, this job was the third corporate job that I had. It was the first one was an office supply company. And they were very sweet and they paid me a lot. And the backstory also is that I'm a, I was a computer expert my whole life, still am. And I worked my way in this, this uh, office supply company just coming in to help with the computers to the IT manager of the entire place, right? And, and then like freaking, freaked out and then said, you know, I, I need to uh, quit. And so I quit that and then realized, man, I don't have any way to pay the bills. Got into another job that was an internet company same deal. And then this third one, which was the most uh, time consuming, they actually said to me that you need to think of this job as 24 seven. And if you get to go home in the nights and weekends, that's a bonus. That's what they actually said to me. And so this was the one that was the most money. Uh, you know, what I thought at the time was great pay, I, you know, being 20 years ago in my twenties. And, um, and so that's what, you know, I was working this job as the IT manager for, it was kind of a printing type marketing company at the, you know, and so that's where I was 20 years ago, uh, even today, 20 years ago, because the anniversary hasn't hit until uh, Thursday. So, yeah. Wasn't there something though, that you had a buddy that said, Hey man, you want to go to Sundance? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what really prompted you to quit the job or, or I should say um, they quit you. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, it's a very interesting thing because there was one moment of uh, Wayne Dyer calls it satori. I hope I'm saying it right. It's a Japanese word. Um, well, Wayne Dyer refers to it. It's a moment of enlightenment. That moment of enlightenment came about a week before I did get invited to Sundance. So I'll go into it in a second. But uh, my girlfriend at the time, who eventually came my wife and, uh, you know, and now I'm divorced, but each of my girlfriend at the time, worked in the warehouse there because they always need to pack and ship stuff. They did a lot of shipping. So it, I wasn't really close to the warehouse people. And then one time, one of the older women that was working there came in and said, uh, Tom, Emily is your, your girlfriend. And I said, yeah. She goes, Oh, you're the Tom that she talks about. She goes, aren't you an actor? And it was like a literally like, as I'm in my corporate suit and working the computers, it was like somebody stabbed me 
in the heart. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. And then I just like went, I'm not going to be <laughs> if I keep working these damn jobs. And so what happened was what I did go with a buddy to Sundance, but I got invited funny enough through my mom had worked at AT&T and she got some connection there that got free uh, tickets and access uh, to Sundance. And so went out there, but it, it was nothing of, of the, the access that I would have these days. But at the time that was great for me. So I went and I remember right before I left, one of the bosses was just like, well, we have like the month end coming up that you need to deal with. And I was like, well, I figured it out. And I just went anyway. And unbeknownst to me, they fired me while I was there. And uh, so I didn't know that until I got back, which was the 20th, this Thursday, <laughs> 20 years ago, and found out, uh-oh, I'm fired. So they didn't they didn't like me leaving and pursuing my career. <laughs> yeah, it's one of these things where, where you saw yourself as an actor. That was your aspiration. You were working in this thing. And, and all this time, like your, your then wife or girlfriend at the time was talking you up as being a big actor. And then it was just gut-wrenching. You know, I think oh. everybody goes through that. It's like your ego is... And I get it. Like people listening to this, like we all have to pay the bills, but we can't lose sight of our dreams. And you had this thing where it's like, well, I, I'm going to go to Sundance. And, uh, and then they fired you. Yeah, <laughs> that's well, here's the joke is I made the decision when I was there to get out of the job. Like, but I thought I would have two, three months. I had just bought uh, her an engagement ring that was way out of my price range, you know. And uh, so <laughs> I was like freaking out. And here's the joke is that I made the mistake of reaching out to my friend, Kurt, who's still in the tech world and, and saying, I need another job, you know, and, and many people, that is what they did, the golden handcuffs, you know, it's that, that yeah. golden handcuffs of, you know, I need to make this much to pay these bills. And so he set me up with an interview with a tech company, EMC, I'll even tell you, it's a big, big company, a storage company. And I went in for an interview within a week of getting fired. They asked me some questions, one of them being like, you know, well, describe a computer. Now, I have been taking apart computers since I was seven years old. I know everything about the insides. I used to build my own. I completely couldn't talk. And now you know me. Not being able to talk about something is, is, is very rare. But uh, I, I blanked. And I remember walking out as in New York City, walking out and being like on the street, like breathing heavy and you know feeling like there was somebody who's clenching my lungs. And I realized that was the other set tour I or, you know, uh, moment of enlightenment where I realized I'm going to be doing this for 20 years. I'm going to get into this tech job, do very well in it because I'm very hard work and all that stuff. And then freak out and either quit or get fired. This is going to be a pattern that would repeat. And I think that, that a lot of people do those patterns, just get into it. I've had people that got fired from their jobs, close family members and said, well, I think I'm going into business for myself, starting a company, you know, a web company or something like that. And I, I yeah, yeah, do it, do it, do it. And then they don't do oh, I got another job at this place, you know, and it's like, ay, and then complaining about how they have to take vacation days. So, but the key is it does take courage because I think it was like, you know, for the money at the time that I thought was a lot, that next year's tax return was like one fifth or one sixth, because all I did was just take little jobs here and there. I was designing websites for people, just stuff that I could do on my own time. And it took uh, uh, some years, a couple, three, four years to really get a movie going. And then it just started taking off at that point. And, but uh, that was a, you know, it, it's, it's that jump in the pool, so to speak. And now looking back 20 years later and all this stuff that I've done, God, I, I mean, 
I was I was mad at the people that fired me, but it's like if I saw them now, I would I would shake their hand and say, thank God. It was a smack in the face that I needed because if I didn't, I would have just got, you know, imagine if I aced that EMC interview and that would have been more money even at that time, um, you know, that I would have gotten it. I would have gotten that job and then again, freaked out or got fired. And that would be my the story of me. It's so funny to think of you as Tom Malloy, the IT guy, because that's not how I know you at all. You know, uh, <laughs> I knew you. I knew you first through your books, and then we met through you know mutual friends and, and started doing some work together here. So it's just it's fun to hear your backstory, and it's also fun to hear like there was there was something else you said that after you didn't get that job, you were able to kind of keep the lights on. You weren't making a lot of money, but you were keeping the lights on by doing those freelance gigs. And you know, as you're saying that, I'm like, you know what, I. In my own life, it's a similar trajectory. You know, once you walk away from a job where you have this experience where, you know, you think it's like the worst thing that's ever happened to you and some time passes, you realize like, oh, that was the rite of passage to get to the next level. So in your case, learning how to do freelance work, learning how to generate income on your own, you know, to support yourself without a job, you know, without a career, without somebody giving you permission, um, you know, to make a paycheck is it's kind of a really good lead up, you know, very entrepreneurial. And I think for folks listening, like that really serves you well, you know, all the freelance gigs, because it does free you up. It does teach you that you can produce, you know, I know a lot of people just going back to filmmaking in general that do television commercials and corporate videos and stuff, wedding videos in between their bigger, more creative projects. Yeah. I mean, you know, if there's something you can do that, that you can do on the off hours, it doesn't take time and is not, you know, flooded with everybody doing it, you know, you could do very well in that because if you take away money, I mean, you'd look at money and you go, all right, I have to do this to pay the bills. So you need that. Right. And you need just enough and uh, to do that. And I also tell people an exercise, I think I learned from Tony Robbins or Jack Canfield that I say to people, like you figure out what you need to make and find out, how much you need to make in a year. Now divide that by 365 and, and find out how much you need to make in a day, you know, and that might be $200 in a day. That's all you need to make to be able to live a good life, you know, and pay all your bills. So finding a day rate is a good thing. And so, you know, when you get a, you know, say your day rates, $200 and you get a $2,000 job, it's like, well, that's 10 days. You know what I mean? Like that I've gotten. And then you start to do it, do the math that way. But you know, it, it I would even looking back at the times where it was this financial struggle, it's like I would never give that up. Still, it was better to have that financial struggle and have true freedom of time and creativity where you could apply yourself to something than being. I mean, I don't it's been 20 years. I when when I tell somebody, yeah, I'm going to which is true. I'm going to Scotland next month to film a movie for two weeks like normal people can't do that. And I don't, it's very tough for me to wrap my head around that. Like when I went to visit my parents in Orlando who are older now and retired, but my sister was working almost every day, including New Year's day and New Year's Eve. And I visit them right after the holidays. And uh, I go, Oh, Oh yeah, that's right. She can't hang out. Like she can't get days off. Like I, I it, it's very tough for me to even fathom what that is that you have to ask a boss for days off and this and that. Um, you know, one of my friends got stuck in Costa Rica, uh, but he's self-employed, but his wife is not. And they got stuck in Costa Rica because they got COVID on the last day. And then they had to stay there for 10 more days. And, wow, and yeah. oh, she just used up all her vacation time. And again, those are foreign concepts to me and somebody like you that it's like, oh, wait, wait, what, what kind of time? Like, I don't even get that, you know, but. 
Well, yeah. I mean, in the flip yeah. side of entrepreneurship too, is like, a, you know, I, I've heard this joke now because I'm, I'm fresher. I'm newer to being an entrepreneur than you are. And, and in fact, I, I value our friendship and, and your influences as somebody that's really helped me kind of make that transition. Um, and, you know, it wasn't without doing the freelance and consulting gigs. I think that's a good step. And I want to make that clear to everybody that, you know, all of us have obligations. We have, now I have a newborn, uh, Tom, you have two kids, you know, and everybody has these things. So it's not as easy as just saying like, I'm going to quit my job tomorrow. But, but what, what is interesting to the story though, is, is you coming up with a plan and following that plan. I don't think you were necessarily reckless. Like in your case, you didn't have a choice. You were fired. So your choice was, do I take another job or do I try to generate income on my, on my own? What about the people that did decide to take that job? What, what would you recommend in terms of like the stepping off point or how they can plan things um, so they're not yeah. taking unnecessary risks? Well, that's a good question. You know, Jim Carrey did a great uh, speech for the, uh, when, he, when he got like an honorary doctorate degree. And he was saying that his dad was a great comedian and he could have been famous. And he says, and he took uh, a job as a plumber, a safe job because he wanted to pay the bills with them and felt that was safer. And then he got fired from that. So Jim Carrey's reasoning was, if you can get fired from the safe job, which in this economy is like, yeah, nothing's secure and safe. Why not take the risk to do the thing that you love? You know, because you, you can lose that job too. You know, anybody that's in the corporation. So I think that you have to go into so somebody's say you're working nine to five. And these days in the U.S., it's not even nine to five anymore. It's, you know, it's seven to six or whatever. Uh, you know, you got to look at it and say, one, these people don't care about me. <laughs> like they'll fire you in a heartbeat. So you don't owe them anything. One. Number two, start to look at a plan because if you, that's what my plan was, but it just didn't work out that way, is that I was going to try to see how I could back out. I was going to try to bring up the gig work and make it to a certain amount of money and then go, okay, I, you know, even though that's less money than this, I'm out, you know, and kind of work, burn the candle at both ends until I knew I could do that. That would have been the plan. So I would say to somebody is to start looking and seeing how can I make money independently and whether it's, you know, NFTs or whether it's uh, web, I mean, the design is not what it used to be, but some kind of gig work that you could do, um, and be very careful that it does not take up all of your time. That's another issue. You know what I mean? Like that you go into another job and then suddenly you're just like, I'm working eight hours a day doing this gig work stuff. It's like, well, that's not good either. You know? So it look at it. it you you got to be very creative and you may have to take a pay, but that pay again, the freedom beats it across the board. You know, if you can make half of what you're making now and live, but be free, I'm telling you, folks, it's much better, you know, and then ultimately, and I'm, I'm not going, you know, be like me, but ultimately you get to the point where, yeah, then you're, then now you're financially free and your free time. That's the best situation. Then it's like, I do whatever the hell I want. I can say no to stuff. I say no to stuff all the time. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you're really good at focusing and getting stuff done. So I, I you know, it, it's, it's one of these things that uh, there's so many, there's so many layers to peel back in terms of like entrepreneurship, freeing yourself up to do these creative pursuits and stuff. And, you know, I think it's important again to have this conversation where we're in a new year here. We're halfway through the month. This is a time when most people have given up their New Year's resolutions. And I guess the message for today is uh, don't give up on your, you know, life resolutions, your dreams. Well, because then suddenly that this past 20 years could have gone by. And then now, you know, I'm 47 now. And if I, I can look back and be like, 
and I never gave it a shot. And that would really suck because the money you can't take with you. You can only, you only have your time and your experiences and the experience you can pass to somebody else. And now I'm, you know, pointed to an example in, in certain circles. And I would say it's, it's never too late to start and go, okay, this is my year. You know, that's the best part of the film business is that nobody goes, wow, you know, you're, you're 45. You can't be doing that. No, you know what I mean? Especially on the acting side, you'll be 80 and decide this is my year to be an actor because they need 80 year olds in movies, you know? So, um, you know, it's filmmakers, writers, something like that. It's, it's never too late to start, but the key is you got to start. You have to do it. You have to jump in that pool, so to speak. Um, I think this is a good time to bring up uh, some, something you and I have been working on behind the scenes, the Filmmaking Stuff HQ Mastermind. I know, shameless yeah. plug, but this is, our, you know, this is our business on top of everything else. And uh, Well, the best part about that is, is that that's what it's geared towards. You know, it's like we're geared towards making your movie, making it happen. You know, if you raise X amount of dollars, let's say a million dollars for your movie, you have a salary there. There's your year salary out of your producer fee for that movie. And it's most likely more than you're making now, or even if it isn't, again, even if it's half of what you're making now, it's much, you know, you, you want to be, it's something you love doing and you're not working, you know, you're having a great time pursuing your dream. I, so, I think that's the thing too, to keep in mind is when you're out there and, and you've obviously you, you're, you're known because you've raised over 25 million. And I know at this point it's well over 25 million. It's just like from a soundbite perspective, mm -hmm. it's easier to say 25 million plus, mm -hmm. um, but, you know, this, this concept of like, you, you're an entrepreneur, your film is your startup, and you're paying yourself a salary just like any entrepreneur would uh, as a line item in your budget. Yeah, yeah, no, that's it. Uh, you know, and you do it. And, and, uh, and now I get it when they're when the movies are very small, you may not be able to make money here and, and, and this and that. But there's other ways to do it. Again, you know, if you if you do cinematography or something like that. Like you said, you do corporate videos. Yeah. I got some friends that are beginners kind of starting and they're doing wedding videos and things like that. Great. Whatever you got to do to make it work. Um, you know, we, we have a mutual friend who I, <laughs> who makes much more money even than, than I do. And he did, uh, I gave him a book to read called the power of intention by Wayne Dyer. And he was, struggling with his life and then turned it into an internet business we're not going to name mention by name but cf i know i wish we could i yeah. wish we, but it's a, it's a big and, enough name yeah. that people know him yeah and i believe he was making up to five thousand dollars per day per day i mean do the math and it's like that's yeah. amazing that you know but again even his story he he made zero for six months doing this internet business and then suddenly started making fifty dollars a day and um then it went up to five thousand but the key is is that you 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 is he happier now? Hell yeah. I, I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Of course, you know, it's whatever the risk it takes or however long it takes you to build that thing up, be ready to do that. And one last thing I'll say is if you could sock away savings for that, you can do that math that I told you to do your monthly or your daily uh, number that you can go, I have a year or maybe even two years. That might be the, the smarter way to do it. If you could sock away savings for two years, and then just melt that away in the best way possible to keep yourself floating while you pursue these aspects. Look, what happens after the two years? It's not like whatever thing you were doing before, you can't go back to it if you had to. But the key is at least then you've now given yourself a window of time to try it. Absolutely. And anytime you take a risk in a, in a certain direction, um, you may not end up where you think you're going to end up, but it always brings new opportunities that you never thought of. And I think that's one of the coolest parts about taking that step. The only thing that's guaranteed is that if you take no action, nothing will happen. That's the only guarantee. So why not take some action? You could fail. 
you fail miserably, you could do okay, you could succeed, you could succeed incredible. So that to me, why not choose the, the, the six, seven, eight options versus the guaranteed shitty option? <laughs> you know, that's not good. Well, the, the action our listeners can take right now is uh, head on over to filmmakingstuffhq.com. Uh, filmmakingstuffhq.com. You can read all about, all about the uh, mastermind membership and accountability program that we have. And um, I think that's going to be a good fit for you if you're, if you're looking for um, a group of people that you can relate to that have been there, that have done that, that are going through the same things that you're going through. I mean, the community there is fantastic. I know everybody in there has become friends even outside of our conversations, Tom. Yep. No, that's great. Yeah. We love hearing that when so-and-so's be like, Hey, we talked, you know, they, the two of the members talked on, you know, offline or met each other or something like that. That's all it's about, you know, and, and I, I'll always say, I feel it is tremendous value for the, the membership uh, monthly fee that you pay because you have all of these resources open to you. And, and uh, really we're, we're giving as much value as we can because we're only happy if you're happy and you're, you're doing what you love. Absolutely. So again, filmmakingstuffhq.com. And Tom, thanks so much for taking some time to chat with us. Thank you for listening. This has been another episode of the Filmmaking Stuff podcast with Jason Brubaker. If you like our show and want to get more filmmaking info, make sure you check out filmmakingstuff.com and join us every week for new filmmaking tactics. Until next time, take action and make your movie now.